Welcome to Subcon Serenade, a bi-weekly video game music podcast. I'm your host, Leland Radburn, and that was a glow stick twirling track from Mighty Switch Force. Uh, it was called Title, and that was by Jake Kaufman. Don't worry, we're going to be hearing a lot of that guy in future episodes. That kicked off episode one, zero, the, the pilot, whatever you want to call it. It's probably going to be called episode one. What the overall idea, concept, thing of this show is, it's just to jam out to the endless sea of video game music. I love it. Uh, hopefully you tuning in love it too. Uh, hopefully you'll hear something you've never heard before and go, wow, this show's the best. Time to burn all my other forms of entertainment because why bother, right? I hope that's what happens. Not really. I don't want you burning anything. That's awful. Uh, every week, every other week, bi-weekly, we'll take a random sampling, uh, mostly of the good stuff, blab about it, what game it came from, uh, who the artist slash composer is, um, you know, if they're listed, sometimes it could be hard to find out who actually composed this music, depending on records are kind of spotty sometimes. Uh, some episodes... Uh, we'll have a theme, such as maybe we'll do something of the music of just nothing but racing games or puzzle games. And then some episodes will just focus on uh, the music from one game. You know, we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll jam out, we'll laugh again, we'll cry, maybe barf a little bit. Don't worry, I'll hold your hair back, it's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> uh, for today, this episode, um, it's all over the place. First track going to play is from the NES Classic... Uh, Turtles 3, The Manhattan Project. Uh, the title is Scene 2. It is by, oh, hopefully I don't butcher this, Kozo Nakamura, Tomo, Tomoya, Tomita, and Yuichi Sakakura. I played the game and I looked through the credits and these guys are all under the sound, so I'm just listing them all as the composers of this one song. I'm going to try my best. We're going to have some other tracks all uh, past that, like three others, um, random. Um, I'll talk about it once the set is done. They're going to be a little bit of a surprise. So uh, enough talking. Turtle track, and then three more tracks after that. Uh, we're going to come back and uh, yeah, talk about them for a little bit, and then uh, play a little bit more music. Enjoy. Put this on. It's on random. Oh, for fuck's sake. John, yes, please, mate.
Check and turn the signal to the left. Check and turn the signal to the left. Step on the gas, now turn to the left. Step on the gas, now turn to the left. Step on the brakes, step on the brakes. Do you know why we stopped the car again? Do I know why we stopped the car again? That's because you just got your license. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of just a, a random assortment of stuff. All, all great stuff. All from, from pretty solid games, too. Uh, after Turtles, you had uh, Sweet Soul Brother uh, from Jet Set Radio, a.k.a. Jet Grind Radio. When they brought it over here, they switched the title up for some reason. I think it was because Jet Set was taken. That was a word that they already had on lockdown. It's like, gotta change the title. The composer was... Mm. <laughs> the composer was Hideke Nakamuna. I'll try that again. Hideke Naganuma. And uh, did a bunch of tracks on that soundtrack. Just a great, a pretty solid game. And and I gotta say, it was just overall fantastic soundtrack. Even like, <laughs> even like the corporate mandate of having to have Dragula in your in your game. Dragula by Rob Zombie is definitely in that game. As long as well as like. 12 other games of that era. Tony Hawk, another Tony Hawk, and <laughs> just think that song's everywhere. Track after that was, uh, gosh, one of my favorite Sega tracks of all time, Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 2 by uh, Masato Nakamura. Just a, uh, just, uh, just crunchy. Just this awesome, like, crunchy sound to it. I can't really describe I I almost expect, like, a Michael Jackson music video to, like, bust out halfway through that song because it's just of that of that feel. It's just, like, I, I, I expect, like, him dressed up in smooth criminal attire just dancing to that song with all, like, the crazy moves. Um, <laughs> after that, uh, we, had a, we had a song from Parappa the Rapper, Instructor Mussolini's Car Rap, which is the second song in the game that you play. You're trying to get your license that song was by messiah matsura and once again once again game game that is a game that has phenomenal music and it's just a smile will just like just appear on your face when you play this game because it's just so delightfully cartoony and and fun and it's just this great interaction it's like this this simon says meets like this awesome hip-hop boom box and you feel you feel really cool when you're playing it and you're just you're just enjoying like these funny like two-dimensional characters around on the screen playing this uh playing this playing along with this music like you feel like a rap star when you when you play along um <laughs> uh yeah that, that game's like available on everything now i think you can get it on psb and vita Pretty sure you can get it on the on all the PlayStation networks, and I don't think like an actual copy, like a physical copy for like PlayStation, would be that much either. Great soundtrack in that game, funny, one of a kind. The I guess the spiritual you know sequel was Um Jammer Lammy, which is once again, uh, I pretty pretty sure like the same team artists, you know com, you know comp- composers and everything. If you love Parappa the Rapper. Rapper, sorry, I said I keep messing that up. If you love that game, go with um, Jammer Lammy because it's such a delight as well. It's, I actually like it a little bit more than Parappa the Rapper. So anyway, uh, second set we're gonna get to. Uh, second set, let's get a little bit more cohesion here. Let's get a little bit more, more, more of a theme. Second set is gonna be all, all jazz stuff, all smooth and and a little, s- some smooth, some. Uppity, still uppity. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to let the music speak for me. First track coming in. It is from Ace Attorney, the sequel. Uh, Ace Attorney, uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, Trials and Tribulations. Uh, the Fragrance of Dark Coffee, also known as uh, Godot's theme. He's the dude with the crazy, like, red mat. You, you, you're not going to know what I'm talking about unless you've played it. Um, <laughs> um, composed by Noriyuki. Iwadar? Oh, I would dare. I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm terrible. I'm so terrible. Oh my gosh, let's just play the music already. Uh, and we'll uh, follow that with uh, three other, actually four other tracks, and I'll blab about those 
once once we're all done with this jazz smooth jazz funk no no funk just jazz i'm gonna shut up now listen to the music Yeah. 
All right, the jazz set. Just a, another random assortment of groovy, jazzy. The thing I love about um, the Ace Attorney track is I could just see myself in like a like a smoky bar with a you know with a cigarette. I don't smoke, but for this for this scene and just like a big big mug of coffee. It's just it, it, the song really represents coffee. The character in the game Godot. When this theme that plays for him, he's just, uh, it plays every time, and he's just obsessed with coffee. And you really just want, like, a big mug of just, like, delicious coffee in a smoky bar. I just, I, I, you just feel like you're there. The track from Grim Fandango, uh, it was Swanky Maximino uh, by Peter McConnell. And that is a game that I, I have to admit, I haven't played enough of. Uh, it is one. It is one of the greatest uh, point-and-click adventures. Uh, just the, the game is just dripping with this like noir style and this just this fantastic soundtrack. That was actually they when they remastered it. They came out with a remaster recently, and the great thing about that game is uh, both the original soundtrack and the remaster sound fantastic. And that this track was actually from the original. It's it's uh, I've listened to the soundtrack probably more than I've played the game at all. So you're you're <laughs> you're really listening to a guy that just just loves the video game music from from games that I've ripped ga- music from, and I've, I haven't even touched the game. But just sometimes the you could get so much out of a game, just like you could just get a soundtrack. And Grim Fandango that is a soundtrack you can you know you can Google you could you know. Find that you can look it up. You can buy that soundtrack. I believe you can buy the remastered one too. Uh, just fantastic, fantastic music uh, all throughout that game. Uh, next was uh, a track from the Neverhood. Uh, Operator plays a little ping pong by Terry Scott Taylor, and that whole uh, whole soundtrack of that is like very ragtime, very dopey. Uh, so many, so much of the chorus is just like blahs and, and weird Muppet noises and. And just rah, 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 voices. The entire soundtrack is just nonsense, and it's just fun if you want like just this demented, dumb, <laughs> but charming, goofy music. It's just it's just delightful, and that that goes through the entire game. Uh, the soundtrack was actually really thought of. Uh, it was like kind of in contrast to a lot of the games at the time. Um, even though, you know, a lot of point-and-click adventures didn't have, like, a lot of, you know, hard rock or, you know, big, you know, heavy music to it. Uh, this was kind of just to say, hey, look, we want to have, you know, a soundtrack that's completely original. And the Neverhood soundtrack is something that is just, it's its own thing. It's it's weird. It's, it's just, it's its own thing. Um, next was sort of a cover from... Uh, Poker Night 2, uh, Short Change Hero, originally by The Heavy. Uh, this was composed, this version was composed by uh, Jared Emerson Johnson. And this plays in the game Poker Night 2 where you've got, um, you're just playing p- poker with all these classic, you know, pop culture characters. You've got Brock from uh, Venture Brothers. You've got Claptrap from Borderlands 2. And this is a track that actually plays in Borderlands 2. It's just a jazz cover of it. It's just really smooth and awesome. Uh, you also play with Ash from Evil Dead and Max from Sam and Max. Or is it Sam? I don't remember. Ooh. Well, anyway, you play with all those characters, and throughout it, like, the music's just very, like, incidental. You don't really notice it because it's just kind of there to just, you know, be humming in the background. But this is a track that that plays in the Borderlands 2 skin that you can make for the room that you're playing in. So the whole bar is, like, redone, and it looks like Borderlands 2. And, you know, there's different, like, actions and tables and characters in the back that are going on and this track plays and it's just this awesome uh variation on the intro track that plays from borderlands 2 uh yeah great track number 10 was a track from la noir uh jj bop from uh composers andrew hale and simon hale and they uh this is a game that uh people kind of polarize on uh 
polarized on L.A. Noir. It's either one of those games that, uh, you know, you're really into it and you enjoy, like, the, the detective work and there's that other crowd that is like, eh, I want more of a action-packed GTA. Um, I'm kind of bugged that the city is just kind of point A to point B to point C. And, yeah, for a lot of the game it is like that, but, you know, you just got to give kudos to a game like L.A. Noir for doing something different and that, you know, pioneering that face mapping technology that just looks fantastic. Uh, and I, I love, like, games where you get to be, like, kind of detective. I, f- I feel like a lot of games can't pull it off that well. And I feel like L.A. Noir really does a good job and the soundtrack just really pulls you into that era, you know, right after World War II. Um, you know, the whole country's kind of, like, rebuilding, and there's this, like, almost, like, this golden era that's gonna, you know, start coming up, but there's all this, like, seedy noir stuff in the Hollywood area, and and just this track really just encapsulates, like, that cool, jazzy vibe of that, of that detective noir. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for that set. We're gonna get into a little bit of a little bit more when I think of like you know classic video games or or you know fun actiony games. I think of metal. I think of the metal set where it's going to be our third and final set, and we're going to have like tracks, an opening track from Warcraft Two. It's not it's not terribly metal. I just think of like like you know awesome rock and roll and crunchiness and crunchiness. What am I talking about? I'm just going to play this track again. Uh, Orc One. Uh, from the game Warcraft 2, uh, Tides of Darkness, uh, composer Glenn Sta- Stafford. Uh, after that, we're gonna get some. Uh, we're gonna get four more tracks, and then we're gonna take a one last final break, and then we're gonna shut the show down forever. Not really. I'm just gonna say goodbye. And uh, yeah, enjoy your enjoy your middle.
rocking. Oh, the metal. So intense. <laughs> just those, like, so many of those tracks were just head-banging delight. Like I was saying earlier, we had uh, uh, Orc 1 from Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness. That was a recommendation from Vince Bondi. And uh, I gotta say, the harpsichord in that is just, I, I imagine, like, Dracula at the top of, like, of, like, a castle just playing this harpsichord, and you just have to get to Dracula. I know, I know we're going to talk about a Castlevania game later, but I, I just, I get that whole, like, Castlevania charging into battle vibe from that Warcraft 2 soundtrack. And speaking of Castlevania, track after that was the classic Bloody Tears from Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, uh, by Kenichi Matsubara and Satoe Tarashima. <laughs> that is a track that is played uh, in every Castlevania, ever since it was first uh, it first reared its ugly head in Castlevania 2. It has been played again and again from, I think it's in Castlevania 3, and it's in Castlevania Super Castlevania 4 on Super Nintendo, and it's in Symphony of the Night, and it's in Castlevania Judgment on Wii. It's on everything. Probably play another version of that in the future, because that track's just so synonymous with Castlevania. It just it encapsulates whip throwing and secondary item throwing, killing Dracula, Dracula again, and Frankenstein and mummies, and grinding like crazy in Simon's Quest 2, because that game requires so much stupid grinding, and you die, and you lose all your experience, and ugh. We, you know, if you ever complain about, like, rogue games of today, like Dark Souls or uh, Bloodborne, where you just, like, lose all your experience, it doesn't feel nearly as crippling and, and just de-empowering as Castlevania 2. It's one of the reasons, like, a lot of people are very, like, on the fence about it, because it's like, eh, it's, you know, it's it's got some great music and some, it looks good, and the whole day-to-night transition's a cool little effect, but... There's all these problems with, like, you know, the enemy layout isn't that exciting, and the castles are kind of boring, and the bosses are kind of half-assed. So, yeah, kind of a kind of a mixed opinion on it. I'm, I'm kind of in there. I, I, it's a love-hate relationship with that game. Uh, then we dealt with more demons and things in the next track, which was uh, Haunted Graveyard from Super Ghouls and Ghosts by Mari Yamaguchi. And uh, that is a track that played in the beginning of every Ghouls and Ghosts. It's like, it's kind of like the Green Hill Zone, or the, from Sonic 2, or the Super Mario 1-1. It's just like that, always the same, like, music track, usually, and same layout of the first level. All the, like, Ghouls and Ghosts levels, like, level 1, usually look and feel the same. Alright, level 1's gonna be hard, this is just the challenge level. The rest of the game's gonna be hot, you know, 10 times harder, because it's just the Super Ghouls and Ghosts is just so uncompromisingly difficult. It's so, so punishing. It's one of those games where you beat it, and then you gotta beat it again. It's one of those. Instead of making five more levels, let's just have you beat those five levels again. Very, very uncompromising. But uh, the thing I love about the Super Ghouls and Ghosts track is just how it, once again, it makes you feel like you're in a graveyard. The track is called Haunted Graveyard. It's, it makes you think of Halloween and spookiness and skeletons dancing around. Great track. Uh, right after that was uh, Bravely Default. It was a track from Bravely Default called That Person's Name Is Composer uh, Revo. And I tried to do a little bit of research on this. The research on this show is not going to be perfect, folks. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but Composer Revo, I believe, is is a group or just a name of one person. I didn't do enough research on this. But uh, anyway, uh, you could look up the track information and you could find everything about that. This is a track that plays when you get into a boss battle. I feel like there's like a thousand instruments playing in this one track. You've, you have like this wailing violin, uh, this amazing like rapid fire, like like finger in the bass that sounds dirty just just strumming the bass super fast I just imagine like a guy in Japan with a cigarette dangling off his lip looking bored as hell and just like just <laughs> just strumming away at that he's just so the whole track is just 
multi-layered. It's like the... It feels like that culmination of everything that you fought for. Now it's time for a boss battle. Now we're going to, you know, cut the crap. We're just going to fight on. I'm just speaking from emotion right right now, folks. But that's just what this track makes you feel. It's just so intense. And at the end of it, you get a usually get like a new job class. Or you just get a bunch of experience. And it's just Bravely Default, game that you really should check out. It's It harkens back to that old JRPG feel, but it does a lot of new things. A great variety of... Oh, they've got this fantastic option where, say if you go into a dungeon and you fight some monsters and you're getting your butt whooped and you're about to die and you haven't saved in a long time, well, if you want to save your butt, what you can do is you can go to the options and you can turn off monster encounters. So you could just walk around the map and there's no monsters. It's fantastic. You won't level up, so that's kind of a downside to that. But if you ever wanted to get out of an area and you wanted to get back to an inn to save and heal and buy some you know, potions and you know, some Phoenix Downs, you can do that. And it's just this great little safety thing. It cuts the baloney out of what a lot of people who grew up on RPGs were getting sick of. Where it was like they had this great system where instead of... Uh, attacking and waiting for your turn, you can just defend for one turn, and you can start stacking up your turns. You can just do default. Hence the game Bravely Default. And you can just default and defend yourself. Sometimes you have to because some attacks just wipe you out instantly. You defend, but then you can just do like three attacks in a row and just unleash just this like combo attack. And it's just so much fun and it feels like so much more strategy. I've been going on forever about this game. Uh, Definitely check it out. It's on 3DS. Um, I don't believe it's on... I don't think it's on any other handheld. And I think that there's a sequel coming out soon. Probably not this year. Probably next year. But Bravely Default. Uh, it's a game that you'll sink hours and hours and hours into. Tons of variety. It's got that kind of cliche JRPG thing where it's like the world's dying and we need to save it. Yada, yada, yada. Been there, done that. But it feels fresh and new. I highly recommend it. If you have the millions and millions of hours to plug away at a handheld RPG, JRPG. Next track, final track we played in the metal set was a title uh, was from Guilty Gear X2, and I believe it's another Guilty Gears as well. This track uh, called Holy Orders by Daisuke Ishiwatari, and that is one of the most that comes from a game that is one of the most gorgeous 2D you know, hack-and-slash games that you can uh, that you can play. It's, well, not hack-and-slash, fighters, that's what I should say. It's gorgeous. The sprites are just the most gorgeous things you've ever seen uh, in a game. The most beautiful sprites. It's it's up there with, like, the sprites from Street Fighter 3. It's like they've pushed how these characters can look. All their special moves are just, like, fiery and explosive. And the whole game has this just heavy metal vibe to it. And you just want to headbang the entire time you're playing it. When you listen, when I was listening to this track in the break, I could I could just imagine the end of an anime where the uh, where the where it's the credits rolling, where it's like you know when you've watched those some of those shows and the in, the ending credits have nothing to do, like the characters and the situations in the ending credits have nothing to do with what the actual show's about. You know, usually there'll be like someone standing on the edge of a cliff. And there'll be a wind blowing and their blue hair will be swaying in the background. That's what I thought when I heard this song. Um, but the animation is just ten times better than it is in the actual show. Like with all, with, with so many animated shows, they blow their, like, the perfect animation in the intro. That's what I, uh, that's, the, that's what I imagine. It's just that this plays over, like, the ending credits of, like, this forgotten badass metal anime. Uh, yeah, that's it for the first episode of Subcon Serenade. Uh, gonna wrap it up with a uh, with a final track for uh, uh, getting emotional. Um, Iwata, as many of you know, this is this is old news, but the CEO of Nintendo he uh, passed away, and. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what I could say what others haven't already said. He's, you know, he had a real good connection with fans. He, um, you know, he understood games. 
you just got that feeling from him from all the Awada asks on on the Nintendo website where he interviewed people. You could just tell that he really wanted to know about games. He really understood them. Uh, the Nintendo Direct, where he just talked straight to the audience, was fantastic. You know, he made you he it made you feel like Nintendo was opening up and giving you you know, opening up like the how to book of video games or, you know, lifting the curtain and being like, Hey, this is how we do it and here's something new coming and I'm gonna tell you directly. And just the games the man has, you know, helped with the list goes on. I mean he you know, balloon fight, he helped with um gosh, uh Earthbound. He helped with, you know, Pokemon, Pokemon Stadium. Um, you know, he was one of the leading guys of HAL. Company that gave us uh, Kirby. Fantastic, you know, cute character that you could put in anything. He was a producer on one of my favorite games. And a lot of this is for you. Uh, closing track from Kirby's Adventure, game he worked on. He was a producer. Title of it is Ending Credits by Hirokazu Ando. And, uh, yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>